0: Oh man, it is always always great to see y'all. And I pray for this church every single day of my life. I'm not making that up, you can ask my wife. Every day I I pray for this church, love this church, and uh, Merry Christmas to you, I'm glad to be here. Man, that rendition of Hallelujah was special. And to have Chris Stapleton at the (laughs) piano, that 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 was a treat. I love everything about this season, man. I love the music, I love the decorations, I love the lights, I love the cookies, I love the movies, I love the cookies, I love the excitement of the kids, I love the joy, I love the cookies. But the best thing about Christmas is a baby named Jesus who was born to bring hope and joy, internal peace, and eternal life. For those of you that might be unfamiliar with the Bible, The first four books of the New Testament section of the Bible are called the Gospels. This literally means the good news. The good news about God's love through Jesus Christ that came into the world. And they're written by four different men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And most of the time on Christmas, when we teach about Christmas, we use the Gospel of Luke. Uh, That's the one, if you've ever seen... Charlie Brown's Christmas. That's the one that Linus quotes, you know, and lo, there were shepherds abiding in the fields, that type of thing. That's from the Gospel of Luke. But today, I want to talk from the Christmas story that we always skip over. It's found in Matthew chapter one. It's the genealogy of Jesus. You're going, oh, great, this sounds super exciting. (laughs) But these days, people are all about genealogies, right? I mean, there are sites like... uh, uh, ancestry.com, uh, 23andMe. Anybody done those things, the, those sites? Yeah, they've taken off like crazy in recent years, people trying to research their family tree. Uh, I've, had, I've got a couple of friends that discovered brothers and sisters that they did not know existed. And after not knowing each other for over 60 years, moved to the same state of Florida, and they're all hanging out together every day, like making up for lost time. I got another friend who got on and discovered that she had an identical twin sister, two separate adoptions at birth. And when they finally met after 40 years, they had the same haircut. (laughs) And they were wearing a similar outfit, it was crazy. They ended up on Oprah, they're having a blast together. Sometimes I think about logging on and doing that because I don't know a whole lot about my extended family. I don't know much about my family heritage. Never really knew my grandparents. Uh, And I'm, I'm an only child. Uh, my, my dad uh, you've, some of you heard me talk about my dad before how my dad was uh, bipolar and, and struggled with paranoid schizophrenia And when he was in his 80s I, I took him to the psychiatrist's office to get his meds regulated so I'm sitting in the office with him and the psychiatrist is talking to my dad who was a character by the way uh, he asked my dad, he said, so is Mike, is Mike your only son and my dad paused and went, I'm not real sure so, so I think I might want to log on to answer. I might, I might got some siblings out there somewhere. I don't know. Now, some of you might even shudder when you think about doing that. You go, bro, I already know enough about my family tree. I don't want to know anything else. I, I, there's so much dysfunction. And there's so much junk from the past. And In fact, even thinking about being together over the holidays with your extended family just stresses you out, right? Well, if that's true for you, I'm thinking that maybe, just maybe, This revolutionary new product could be just for you. Take a look. I just
1: never thought it could happen to me, to my own family. It just felt like we were trapped in this black hole of anger and resentment. Like the walls were just closing in on me. Like I was in the trash compactor from Star Wars and I'm Luke Skywalker and there's Princess Leia, who I don't know is my sister yet. And even though Han Solo's trying his hardest to save us, he's driving me crazy. And then there's Chewie in the corner just going, Anyway, then the holidays roll around, and it's just like Christmas to bring out the worst in all of us. All those long-standing grudges and unresolved family conflict just seem to rear their ugly heads this time of year. The last thing I wanted to do was go to the annual family holiday party. Then my doctor
2: told me about Reconcilosec. Reconcilosec is the safe, easy, and effective way to bring relational reconciliation to you and yours during the chaos that Christmas brings. Reconcilosec is recommended for all occasions where friends and family need a little help getting over those long-held resentments and bitter grudges. Reconcilosec is not for people who are dating or engaged or may become engaged during the holidays. Reconcilosec should never be taken with in-laws. In lab tests, in-laws taking Reconcilosec showed no improvement over those taking a placebo. Relational conflicts involving money or inheritance also showed no improvement. Take Reconcilosec at least 30 minutes before any anticipated conflict. Sharing Reconcilosec with others may increase your chances of reconciliation.
1: So if you're looking for immediate reconciliation with the ones you're supposed to love, look no further. Ask your doctor if Reconcilosec is right for you.
0: Thank you, Reconcilosec!
2: Ask your doctor about Reconcilasec. Side effects may include excessive hugging, chronic hand-holding, inexplicable affection for in-laws, and sloppy kisses from aunts and grandmas. Exceeding recommended dosage may result in marriage proposals or pregnancy. If you experience a reconciliation lasting more than 24 hours, that means the drug is working. Other side effects include dry mouth, headache, diarrhea, diphtheria, vomiting, dizziness, earache, nosebleeds, loss of vision, loss of hearing, euphoria, sudden paralysis, leprosy,
0: and plague. Hey, don't you wish it was that easy? Right? Hey, the truth is we all come from a jacked up family tree. We all got a cousin Eddie or two, Uh, or maybe we are that cousin, right? But the truth is, there is no perfect family. We all come from a cast of characters, but still, family is God's plan. He chose to start way back in Eden with a family, now by their own choice It would eventually become a broken family, and things would get pretty crazy, and things got way out of control, so God would start over, and when he started over, he chose a family, Noah's family. He chose to bring salvation uh, through a family, through Abraham and Sarah, and even though we all do come from a broken one, there's just something about us that yearns to be a part of a family. I mean, think about it. We, We come into the world looking for a face. We long to know that somebody sees us, somebody accepts us, somebody embraces us, includes us, and loves us. I like what Jessica Legron writes about family. She says, despite the broken places, bright spots of God's original plan still gleam through the cracks. Beauty still eclipses the mess and flashes of wonder, and we are momentarily blinded and given sight. There are times when we stare into the face of someone we love deeply. Or look at the grandeur of the created world. Or find the whispering spirit of God drowns out the world for just a moment. And the original blueprint of Eden peeks through and finds us. Now of course they can be extremely dysfunctional, imperfect, and even harmful. But still the idea of family is a good one. And all of us long to be a part of one. And Jesus came to make us all a part of his family. Now, you might think that if Jesus were to log on and do Ancestry.com, he would discover a long list of holy people, good people, honest people, kind people, stellar, rule-keeping people, people of purity, people of righteousness, right? Not so much. You think your family tree is jacked up? You ought to take a look at his. So let's just do that. Now, I wanna prepare you, this is scintillating reading. So fasten your seatbelts. And I'm not going to read from the old King James Version, so we're not going to get all the bagats, if you know what I'm talking about. But here we go, Matthew chapter 1. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Zezron. Zezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Abimadad. Abimadad was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. You still with me here? David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon, was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abinjah. Abenja was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. And on and on and on and on this list goes until it gets down to this. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathan. Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus. Who is called the Messiah. Now Matthew is writing primarily to a Jewish audience. So it was important for him to include Abraham. Who is the father of the Jewish nation. You see the Messiah. The promised one. The Savior. The Christ. Was the one that God told Abraham would come through his family tree. To someday eventually bless the entire world. And all the prophecy about the coming Messiah. Pointed towards someone. Who would come through the lineage of David. So you can see why Matthew makes sure to to point out those two guys uh, specifically to authenticate Jesus as the promised Messiah. But when you're trying to promote somebody, when you're trying to sway popular opinion, when you're trying, trying to garner votes, most publicists only highlight the good stuff, right? The accomplishments, the awards, the pedigree. They always try to hide any Cousin Eddie's. They always try to hide skeletons in the family closet. So in that light, Matthew would never make it as a political publicist because he hides nothing. Although there are people who did some notable and noble things, every single branch of this family tree has some drama, some junk, some failure, some dysfunction, some very serious sin attached. Even the most famous ones, like Abraham, even though he did have an enduring faith Man, he was far from perfect. You ought to read the story sometime in Genesis. He was a mess. His son Isaac was a mess. His son Jacob was a mess, became a liar and a schemer, which he picked up from his dad and his granddad. His son Judah would end up selling his little brother Joseph into slavery. David abuses his position as king and takes another man's wife, gets her pregnant, and then has her husband killed to cover it all up. It's like an episode of Dateline. Their son Solomon was a mess. He did, as he called in his journal, everything under the sun. His son, Rehoboam, was a mess. Along with his brother, they split the nation into I mean, name after name after name after name. The mess continues until it gets down to Jesus. Here's what's cool to me. Out of the great mess comes the great Messiah, the baby born in Bethlehem the savior of the world came from a jacked up family tree. And I thought that just might give you some hope. Cause it sure does me. <laughs> Gang, we all come from a broken family. There's something else really cool to me about what Matthew does. Because genealogies in that day did not include women. He includes five. Right. And all five had some kind of pain Some kind of scandal in their lives. All five had a bit of a shadow over their life. Now, the most famous, of course, is Mary. And even though Mary, the mother of Jesus, was entirely innocent because of the supernatural nature of her pregnancy, she was still pregnant and unmarried. And it made folks talk. It cast this huge social shadow over her. Matthew also mentions Ruth. Ruth was an outsider. She was a foreigner who had grown up worshiping false little G gods. Her husband dies, her brother-in-law dies, her father-in-law dies, and she is left penniless and dirt poor. She is absolutely nothing except this very kind mother-in-law who inspires her to follow the true and living God. You ought to read the story of Ruth sometime. This gracious man named Boaz, spoiler alert, they fall in love, they get married and have a child. And eventually... Her great-grandson is none other than King David. Every ancestry record would have only included Boaz, but Matthew makes sure to include this desperate, poor, outcast woman of fledgling faith. The other three women mentioned could have come out of the modern Me Too movement. According to Jewish history, Rahab would have been trafficked when she was about 10 years old. She too was an outsider. She was living in one of the strongholds of idol worship, which included all kinds of degrading sexual stuff. She was part of a very, very dark system. She became a prostitute. She was used. She was abused by men. But through faith, some of you know her story, she chooses to side with God and his people. And she turns her life around. You can read her story in the book of, of Joshua. By the way, she's also mentioned in a famous chapter of the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, which is commonly called the Hall of Faith. Rahab's in that too. Again, no one would have ever come close to mentioning Rahab in the family tree. Except God makes sure she's in there. Tamar is not as well known. But she was so abused. And she was so degraded by an evil man that God takes him out. And then another guy comes along and uses her only for his own pleasure, but will not have a child with her. And she longs to have a child as her inheritance, but no one wants to have a child with her. So she disguises herself as a prostitute and makes it all happen with another guy on this list. This broken, used, abused, lonely, I'm gonna take matters into my own hands kind of woman is in the family tree of Jesus. Did you catch the name Bathsheba in there? She was the one that David used his power to seduce. He saw her. He wanted her. And since he was the great king, he powered up and took her. And a whole lot of heartbreak and a whole lot of heartache came out of their story. She is in the family tree too. You see the kind of people this world tends to erase, God exalts And all of this tells me that no matter what you and I have done, no matter what's been done to us, God longs for all of us to be in his family. Story after story of broken promises, betrayal, addiction, abuse, lies, lust, greed, envy, even murder. That's JesusAncestry.com. I like what Rich Viota says about this. The kind of people that Jesus came from are the kind of people Jesus came for. Out of the great mess comes the great Messiah. The family tree of Jesus highlights the scandalous grace of God. And I, for one, am super grateful. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Heard about a little boy who got lost in the Christmas rush at Target one day and A man noticed this little guy kind of wandering carefree, just looking at all the toys and stuff. Didn't think much of it until over the loudspeaker came an announcement. A little boy named Josh has been lost. Josh is seven years old. If anyone sees Josh, please bring him to the information booth at the front of the store. The man laughed when the little guy said to himself, dang it, I'm lost again. (laughs) You know, Christmas reminds us that without a savior, we're all lost. It is a good day. When I finally admitted that, when I looked at my life and I said, dang it, I'm lost. But I got to tell you, it was a better day when I heard about God's insatiable desire to love me. He wasn't mad at me. He wasn't disgusted by me. He wasn't disappointed in me. He loved me. His plan all along was to include me, all of us into his family. So he sends his son through this jacked up family tree full of people just like us. The eternal word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. He would grow up like us, encounter the same challenges as us, the same frustrations, the same temptations as us, but unlike us, he would live a sinless life so that he could become the sacrifice for our sin, so he could take the rap for us, so we could be forgiven and live forever in a forever kind of family. That is scandalous. That's not a Christmas verse, but, but, but it is. Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place, I love this, of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory when we were utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's like especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. His grace is a scandalous thing. God looked out heaven's window. On a dark and dismal earth, what mankind lost was found again and hope was given birth. In a smelly barn, a baby born held by teenage hands, God showed up in just his way to fulfill his plan. You see, he heard us crying, pining, hiding, dying in our sin. So in unblemished love, God slipped into our skin and the word became flesh. And the greatest became least, and swaddling clothes were wrapped around heaven's highest priest, O holy night, O night divine, when Jesus came into this world for your sin and mine. A Savior born, in a womb he was formed, our flesh worn, to comfort those who mourn, calm the storm, have his flesh torn, his name scorned, wear a crown of thorns. Not the thing we want to see when looking at the straw, at a manger, at a baby, but he came to save us all made human, became human, forgave human, saved human. He is holy, different, set-apart king, Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh, prince of peace. He is the soul's cry and the sinner's plea, belief and trust. He is enough. He is strength for the weak, refuge for the frightened, rest for the weary, shepherd of the wondering, healer to the hurting, forgiver of all sinners, savior of the world. His name is Jesus, the name above all other names. He's the Prince of Peace who deserves all fame. Almighty God who took our blame, our shame, our pain. Emmanuel who remains the same. His grace is a scandalous thing. God wants every one of us in his family. He wanted Alia in his family. Alia has become like a daughter of ours. Uh, Just had breakfast with her just a few weeks ago. She's amazing what God has done and is doing in her life. Uh, We met her at Mission Church, some of you know that we went out to California eight or 10 years ago and helped our kids start a new church called Mission Church. They were meeting in a little movie theater there and one of the guys that started coming uh, was a guy that uh, had been a drug addict for many years and uh, he was trying to get clean, he was starting to go to N.A. and end up, uh, he was working in the porn industry at the time ends up giving his life to Christ, was baptized in the Pacific Ocean. But like uh, it's true with some uh, drug addicts, when they've been clean a long time and there's a relapse, it's pretty tragic. And that's what happened with him. Had a relapse and accidentally overdosed. And so we held a funeral there at Mission Church and tons of people came, packed in this movie theater, that this church was meeting in. and uh, I mean, all kinds of people from the sex entertainment industry, all kinds of people from NA. And one of the people that came was a girl named Alia. And she was so moved by the funeral service for her friend that she said, I'm coming back to this church. And so every week she would show up at this church just meeting in a movie theater. And you talk about someone that came from a jacked up family tree and like some of the women included in the family tree of Jesus, she too was abused and used. And she would admit she made some bad choices on her own. But when we met her, she was pretty broken. And uh, a lot of people came around her. Uh, my wife Debbie became a mentor. And Debbie's favorite verse of scripture is, God sets the lonely in families. She loves it. And I want to let all you share her story with you. And it's raw. I just warn you and it's vulnerable, and it's honest, but man, it's filled with hope. Take a listen.
3: Most of my life, I'd felt shame. Like there was something wrong with me, who I was as a person, and that at any minute, people were gonna find out that I just didn't belong. My childhood was chaotic. My parents had a lot going on. Um, My dad was in and out, um, always into drugs and kind of lived a rock and roll style lifestyle. And um, my mom always had her own life going on and I felt abandoned, I felt like I was disposable. I was sexually abused and introduced to pornography when I was four and that led me to believe that I didn't have control over my body, that I wasn't allowed to have a say in what happened to me physically. As I got older, I didn't value myself. I would kind of felt like I'd been stripped of my value or that I hadn't been born with any, um, I believed these ideas that when I could find value, it came from a desirability, um, and that love was shown through sexual touch. So I spent the next 15 years of my life trying to create this sense of value in myself that I really believed could only be accomplished through being wanted and being desired sexually and it led me into working in the sex industry and working in prostitution and porn and just robbed me of any sense of value that I had left that just put this despair in my heart that led me to the answer seeming like ending my life was the best thing for me. I'd been told about this place for four or five years from my family at Mission. Um, and I just decided, like, okay, God, I'm I'm ready to try things your way and I'm ready to listen. and. I had come to this fork in the road where I had decided that either I was going to do things this way or and try God's way and try getting help or I was just going to kill myself and just be done. And at that point I just kind of decided like I couldn't live this way anymore and I needed something more. So after 20 years of feeling like I was never enough, feeling like I was a secondary character in my own life, I was given the gift of being able to go and live amongst these women that for the next year just loved me and my beliefs were just counteracted. Everything that I had told myself and and that I had put myself in situations to where other people could tell me those same lies was being proven to not be true by the way that these women were caring for me. And as I came to believe that God was who he says he was, that with that came the acceptance that if this is true, then I must be who God says that I am. And with that came the understanding that God calls me beloved, like he calls me redeemed. He calls me pure despite anything that was done to me or that I've done to myself, that I could have this new start and this new relationship where I could find my identity and who he said I was and that this time my he could be Christ. and he called me new and he told me that my sins were washed white as snow and that the old was gone and that the new was here and as far as the east is from the west, he'd forgotten everything that I had done. So growing up, I shared this love of horses with my mom and we didn't share a whole lot. Um, It was like this part of my childhood that hadn't been tainted by the abuse that I'd gone through and what amazes me is how personal God has been in my journey of healing and he's put me in this in this position where I work in a ministry that uses horses and every day I get to come out here and I get to spend time with them and I'm able to continue having that safe place and I'm able to give that experience to other people and help them you know feel those same feelings of honesty and purity with the interactions that they're able to have with these horses that has just been such a gift and is continuing to help me as I move on in healing, and I move on in just trying to live this life as a much loved child of God. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath but because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved.
0: I'm so proud of uh, all uh and she's a, awesome mom these days. She graduated from Moody University with 4.0. I don't know what her IQ is, but it's, it's higher than mine. She's so sharp and so capable. And uh, she's working in a nonprofit ministry helping other women that have been trafficked. Her story's pretty amazing. God sets the lonely in families. He sets the prisoner free. And he longs for you to be a part of this family, his family. That's why Jesus came. Like I said, we most of the time teach on Christmas from the Gospel of Luke and don't really hit Matthew much and never really hit John, but John, talking about Jesus, said this, to all who believed him, to all who accepted him, He gave them the right to become the children of God. Now, not to reduce faith to a mathematical equation, but it really is believe plus accept equals become. So why not put your faith in Jesus today and ask him to be the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life, believe and accept and become part of a forever family. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. You know, if that's the desire of your heart right now, just in your own words, I mean, nothing scripted, and just, Jesus, I, I believe. I need a savior. I believe you came for me. I wanna be a part of your family. I want you to be the leader of my life. I want my life to be new too. I wanna to know your scandalous grace. I'm discussing guessing for some of you, he's been waiting a long time for you to say those words to him. He wants to move into your life, wants to lead your life, wants to wash away your sin. And if you wanna talk to somebody about all that, after the end of the service, there'll be some folks down front you can pray with. If you're watching online, you can contact us here at New Hope, love to talk to you about that. Father, I'm just so grateful for fresh starts. Thank you as all you said, that you take our sin and move it as far as the east is from the west. That even though our sins are Scarlet, you make them white as snow. The old is gone, the new has come. Thank you, Jesus, for making all that possible. And God, you know, I've, I've admitted to you before, there's been a hundred times I've skipped over Matthew chapter one, just got to the real stuff. And I just want to thank you for Drawing me to those verses I thought were pretty meaningless for teaching me that Jesus came from people that he came for. God, I pray this, that you would use folks that are here today to make a difference in their family tree. God, many of us here have been called to be cycle breakers from the dysfunction of our past, and I pray some more that continues. I pray for families as they gather this Christmas that there would be some reconciliation, some true forgiveness, some true fresh starts. Thank you for the hope that you bring for that. And God, I pray all this uh, in the name of Emmanuel Jesus. Amen.